uh, today we are going to talk about a couple of things that I think is very, very powerful that I want to, I felt the Lord was just challenging uh, over some of the things that, um, in particular, God's been speaking to my own heart and things that uh, God has, I think, been sharing with some others. This might be a little hot for me, guys. If you can turn it down, that'd be great. Matthew chapter 4. Turn with me there. Verse 18. This is a familiar portion of Scripture. This is where uh, Jesus first begins to call his disciples. And as you know, uh, God has put uh, just a burden in my heart for true discipleship and what that looks like. Verse 18, the Bible says, While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me. Everybody say, Follow me. And I'll make you fishers of men. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. Now, that's odd. Um, oftentimes, we over-spiritualize some things to the point that we think that we're spiritual zombies. Jesus walks up to somebody and says, follow me. And they just drop everything. And, and in some kind of daze or trance, uh, they just moved on. But you have to understand that Jesus and his, his father probably would have traveled this area a lot as Jesus was growing up. Because Joseph was a carpenter. And uh, being from Nazareth, a little bitty city, a little bitty town, uh, they probably had to travel for work. And, uh, and I, they would have probably traveled this area quite a bit. And uh, those men who were fishermen, I guarantee you that Joseph and Jesus would have stopped and bought fish for them, from them in the afternoons for supper and those type of things. And so what, what we don't understand because we read the Bible with Western eyes is that there's a complete understanding from, uh, you know, the place where Jesus grew up and, and those that this would have been a relational connection. And it would not have been that Jesus would not have known Peter and Andrew. And so... In conversation one day as Jesus is there, he's speaking to men that he knew. Come and follow me. And because of this relationship, because of what had happened, because of their understanding or knowing that uh, this, this Jesus who was calling him to follow them, the Bible says they, they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there... He saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat uh, with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their follow, a father and followed him. Everybody say, followed him. Followed. Father, thank you for the reading of the word. Bless it to the hearing of our ear and receiving of our heart today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, hey, uh, how many of you have an Instagram how many of you have Instagram? Come on, raise your hand. It's not a sin. Come on, raise your hand. You got Instagram. Uh, I, I have Instagram. Some, some of y'all don't follow me. I, I have, Beth's going to show some pictures. I, I have Instagram. Uh, look, right there. Preach it, Dawn. That's my Instagram thing. You can, you can follow me there if you like. There's one of my pictures on, on my Instagram account, right? Like uh, my lovely bride uh, this year. Uh, incredible. Uh, 28 years this year. Come on. Uh, and yeah, there, there's one of my pictures of Instagram. I, don't, I have no idea what was happening there. But um, uh, there's another one of my pictures on Instagram. Uh, that, that is uh, 
one of the highlights there. I, I love those things. Look, I, there's one of my pictures on Instagram. Y'all don't follow me. You know, that's what you do with Instagram is you follow people, right? How many of you have Instagram? Raise your hand. So if you have Instagram, you probably follow some people, don't you? I, 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 follow, I follow some people uh, in, inside of it. Uh, I follow David Campbell. I follow David Campbell. Uh, how many of you know this guy, David Campbell? Yeah, now see, now I follow David. Now, did you know that David Campbell literally reads and writes Greek and Hebrew? He does. Now, I'm never going to be like David because I'm not going to put in enough time to learn to read and write Greek and Hebrew. I love y'all, but I'm just going to ask David. Amen? He's the PhD. He's got a doctorate. He reads and writes Greek and Hebrew. I'm not going to be like David in that. I'm not going to read Greek and Hebrew. I follow David, but I'm, I'm not going to be like David. I, I, follow, I follow this guy. You know, guy you know who this is? The Rock. I follow the rock. Yes, I admit, I follow the rock. I do. Now, I'm never going to be like the rock. Because, number one, I'm not going to eat like the rock. I like little Debbie snack cakes. <laughs> the rock don't like little Debbie snack cakes. I'm not going to eat like rock. I'm not. Dwayne Johnson and I are never going to be like. Amen? Look, I follow Tony G. Do you guys know? Y'all might not know Tony G, but I follow Tony G. Now, Tony's a friend of mine in South Carolina, and Tony's a little controversial, but he loves Jesus, and, and Jesus is working on us all. But I follow Tony because, you know, he works out, and he likes Jesus. And Tony and I, when I go to South Carolina, work out together and that kind of thing. I follow Tony G, right? And I, it's pretty incredible. Uh, I also follow Bo McMillan. Because no white man should have calves like that. And Bo McMillan has the biggest calves I've ever seen in my life. Hey Amen. I follow Bo McMillan. Now, that's not Bo. But uh, it, 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 if you guys ever know us, on Bo about the size of his calves. It's, it's, uh, it's the one area Bo doesn't need any work on. Incredible, right? The world can be fun. Let me. Now, I'm not going to be like Bo because I'm not going to do what it takes to have those calves. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not going to be like Tony G or The Rock or David. But I follow them. I follow them. Let me make this statement to you. Watch this. The Christian life is more than a casual admiration of a good man named Jesus. The Christian life is about an obsession. A, a magnificent obsession, if you will. With what I believe is the most wonderful, incomparable person who ever lived. And still lives through us by the Holy Spirit. Now Jesus says to Peter and Andrew, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus makes a statement that word follow did not and does not mean just observe. 
in Jesus' statement, follow me, there is an intense, an intense invitation to not only go where Jesus goes, but there was an intense invitation to not only do what Jesus does, it's an intense invitation to be what Jesus was. Now, don't get violated because Jesus is the Savior. That's not what I'm talking about. The Scripture says Jesus himself testifies, these things and greater will you do. There's an invitation to become what he was. In the beginning, God says, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. And just because sin entered in and man failed doesn't mean that God's plan for our life changed. As a matter of fact, the plan of redemption is all about restoring us into the image and likeness of who he is. That's God's plan. To be sons and daughters. To be restored into that. And so Jesus is still inviting us into here. And this is what I believe is the core of discipleship. Is to be like your teacher. Luke chapter 6, I believe it is. It says, any student who's well trained will be as his teacher. Will be like his teacher. That's the point. See, this is the issue because in the Old Testament... Rabbis discipled men to a teaching. But in the New Testament, when Jesus talks about the idea of discipleship, when he talks about the idea of following him, Jesus isn't as interested in in discipling us to a teaching as he is into discipling us to himself. Come, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. See... To follow, to observe, to study, and walk where he walked with the expectation of doing the same things that he did. You see, they watched Jesus cast out devils. Somebody say amen. See, you you read it in the New Testament. And by the way, the New Testament isn't finished yet. But we act like that's not for today. They watched Jesus open the eyes of the blind. They watched Jesus touch the untouchable lepers. They watched Jesus speak to a storm. And the storm had to obey his voice. And it all started with an invitation to follow him. And I don't know about you, but there's some areas in your life, you know it, where there's, some, there's people who are around you are saying, I ain't touching that. You want someone to touch you. You want someone to love you. You want someone to help you. But people around you are saying, no, no, no. I'm not touching that because I ain't involved in that mess. I don't want to get contaminated. Hello, somebody. But see, Jesus is not afraid to touch your mess. Jesus is not afraid to touch the untouchable areas in your life. They watched Jesus heal the blind, cause the mute to speak and the deaf to hear, raise the dead. They saw all these things happen. We read it in the New Testament, yet we say, "Ah, I'm not real sure Jesus is still doing that today. It's hard for us to believe that when we need to pray for a miracle, that God can do it. 
It's hard for us to believe that when we need God to intervene, when, when, we, when we see something that needs God's attention, that in our mind and in our life, because of what religion has done to us, it's difficult for us to imagine that God would want to be involved in that in any way. Yet Jesus continued these words echo throughout all of history. This invitation to follow him. See, the problem is you and I live in an Instagram world. Hello, somebody. We follow people, and what we do is we take this watch and not imitate attitude. If I didn't eat as many little Debbie snack cakes, I might look like the rock. Probably not. I'll just watch him. I ain't going to imitate him. Come on, somebody. We take this Instagram attitude and we apply it to follow Jesus like we follow celebrities and sports stars. By the way, parents, there's no way in this world that your children's heroes should ever be celebrities or sports stars. Their first heroes ought to be you. Their second heroes ought to be their church leadership. See, the problem is we take this Instagram attitude when, G, when we read the scripture and we're just like, hey, you know what? This, the, 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 what's happened is the Instagram attitude has trained us to watch and not do. And so when Jesus says, follow me, we think Christianity is the equivalent of Instagram. I check in every week on Sunday. Y'all are not helping me this morning. I thought I would preach a minute. Jesus talks about following, though. That, that word doesn't mean just tag along. Jesus is given an invitation to become. Come on, church. To those who are saved, he gave them power to become the sons of God. Y'all got to grab a hold of this. The Holy Spirit is issuing to me and you an invitation to be consumed with Jesus. To be obsessed with knowing him. Watching him and listening to him. To looking at the kind of company that he keeps and thinks maybe I need to keep that kind of company. Listening to the way he speaks and think maybe I ought to speak that way. Seeing through his eyes and the way he saw everyone regardless of the situation or, or circumstance that they were in. And see people the way Jesus sees people. To sit where Jesus would sit. To love like he loves. You know how much criticism I get sometimes because I don't always hang out with Christian folk? Sometimes I hang out with people who aren't Christian. You ever notice the longer that you're a Christian, the less Christian friends you seem to have? People give me grief all the time about some of the people that I like to hang out with. Let's take Tony G for a minute. He won't mind this. Tony's a little controversial in a lot of things. Right? But I hang out with him when I go to South Carolina. Just... Now let's talk about Jesus, talk about your relationship with the Lord. Let's work out. Let's do these kind of things. Man, how you doing? What's going on? How's your family? Those things. And because Tony gets a lot of garbage 
or pressure, someone just came into his life and loved him. One day I opened my mail, and in my mail was this huge, I should have wore it today, this beautiful $300 watch. I couldn't believe that. He said, hey, man, thanks for being my friend. I was just like, whoa. Just not that a gift means anything. It just means that, listen, who would Jesus hang out with? Well, they called him a friend of sinners. They, I'm not calling Tony a sinner. I'm just saying, just because people sometimes don't think and act the way we do doesn't mean we can't build a relationship with them. Love people like he loved people. Forgive people like he forgave people. So many people in church today are just fans of Jesus. Jesus has got some celebrity status in their life. They're like they're celebrities or sports stars. They enjoy watching the performance, but they never think that they should go beyond being a spectator. Come on, church. Here's what I tell you. The Holy Spirit, I believe, is moving in our church. And I never believed it more than this past uh, trip with the young people to the Dominican. I believe that God is raising up a new breed of believers in the church that are not just going to be admirers of Jesus. I believe that God is working on raising us up to be people who are stalkers of Jesus. Obsessed with Jesus. Consumed with Jesus. Come on, church. Every waking hour, even when we sleep, we're thinking about Jesus, studying what he's doing, looking at him, listening to his voice, watching where he puts his hands so that we might also put our hands there. They're going to follow him everywhere. They're going to be right on his heels, just like Elisha was on Elijah's heels. The most important thing you can do is attach yourself to what God is already doing. There's this pressure in Christendom and in the church to create or rebuild or redo the will and reinvent something. And that's never been our philosophy as an eldership team. Our philosophy has always been let's discover what Jesus is doing and let's join him in what he's doing. Because see, where Jesus, what Jesus is doing is where Jesus is at. Hello, somebody. What is Jesus doing? And how do I get involved in what he is doing? Come on, someone. The day of casual Christianity is, is coming to a swift end because there are all kinds of things that are happening in the world that we live in. It, 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 you know what I'm saying? There are false things that are set up to make you believe in security when the only security we have is our relationship with Jesus Christ. Then there are the false sides that, that would bring things to bring fear so that fear can bring control. I don't know about you, but I'm not living in fear because the Bible has promised me as a follower of Jesus that there isn't any plague that's going to come close to my door. Y'all not listening to me. See, that's what the Word of God says. And I don't need to apologize for it because God said, if you've got an issue with it, you take it up with Him.
I've been warning about this casual, comfortable, Jesus-admiring attitude for a lot of time. We just want to live in the, especially Western world Christianity, we want to live in the convenience of our prosperity faith. But I'm telling you right now, we better get our feet out of the aisle because Jesus is ringing, raising up some people who are going to step on our toes. And I can't wait for it. Jesus is raising up some people who are saying, I'm not only, I, I'm not only obsessed with him, but, but I am, I'm, I'm, I'm obsessed with the magnificence of who he is. The, the, the word magnificent, watch this. It means superb, above all. It means the highest degree, the excellence of elegance, right? Jesus in every one of those words and a thousand more could not even begin to be unveiled in the glory of who he is. When I talk about being obsessed, see, we often criticize people who are obsessed. We might criticize the rock for being obsessed, Right? Like the gym in the basement of his house is unbelievable. Not only that, when the rock travels, wherever he travels, there is a semi-truck with a 53-foot trailer with a gym built in it so that he can work out wherever he's at. He, hey, hey y'all, I follow him. He's a little obsessed. But there's a reason I don't look like him. There's a group of people I believe that God is stirring in who are sick and tired of dead religion. There's a group of people I believe that God is stirring in that are sick and tired of tradition. And Jesus said it. He said, the word of God has no effect because of your traditions. Because you've trusted in your traditions more than you've trusted into the power of God. Jesus challenged our traditions. Nothing sinful in traditions. Hello, somebody. But Jesus said, when we put more faith in our traditions than we do in God, we miss what God may want to do or who God wants to reveal himself to be. We've got to get over this idea of a picture of a historical Jesus. And we've got to grab a hold of this living Jesus and let our hearts be set on fire for him again. I was meeting with a, a guy here this past weekend, and we were working through some things, and, uh, you know, just relationship and, and uh, what's going on and those things. And, and through our hour and a half conversation, just, you know, scripture just comes out of my mind, just comes out of my mind. At the end of the conversation, he says to me, how in the world do you know all these scriptures? I said, I didn't start yesterday. I've been obsessed with Jesus for over 20 years. Y'all help me, somebody. That word of God, if I put in my heart that I might not sin, my teachers instructed me, right, that in the day when you're confused, in the day when you don't know what to do, that if you don't know the word of God, hello, somebody. But in those times, all those scriptures come back to me. They're just there. It's God moving. Our God is a consuming fire. Did you ever read that in your Bible? Hello, church. See, the problem is there's this Ananias and Sapphire spirit in in the Western world idea of Christianity. That idea of holding something back. That, that idea of just living in reserve. 
We think that we can go through the motions. What it is, and let me tell you, you might not like this morning, but you might want to write it down. But when you live in reserve, when you live in anything than less than total abandonment to Jesus Christ, when you take an Instagram ideology of what it means to, to, to walk with Jesus, you're actually living in self-preservation. And let me tell you something. If God can't keep you, you can't keep yourself. That's why a long time ago I said, you know what? I'm just going to live in abandonment to Jesus. I'm just going to live. And, and I found out that some of the things that I was struggling with, some of the attitudes that I had, some of the discouragements that I had, some of the things that I couldn't get over, this idea of being a victim to everything around me, when I totally sold out to Jesus, all of that went away, right? Because it didn't matter. Because listen, I'm following Jesus, and if Jesus don't know where he's going, I don't either. But I guarantee you that when Jesus invites you to follow him, you got to understand and know he knows where he's going. He knows what he's going to do. You know, in Breno's song, he's got Romans 8.28. It's a cheat code. Y'all ever heard that? Jeremiah 29.11. Yeah, he's got a plan. God's got a plan. And see, here's the issue. So do I. And most of the time, I've discovered that in following Jesus, my plans don't always line up with his. And that's the wrestling. Not that God's plans don't work. It's the idea that I want to override, through self-preservation, my plans over his. I want to be comfortable. Come on, church. And so, therefore, because I want to be comfortable, little change ever happens in my life. But here's the deal. You're never going to find change in the things you want. Until the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change. Now, you can tweet that one. There's another one. See, the issue is sometimes we would rather live in the pain of not changing than we would change. Change, when Jesus invites us to follow him, he's saying, I want to see change. I'm going to bring change because what we're going to do, amen, is going to bring change not only in your life, but in the world. Someone, someone was, I mean, we were working on, I was talking with someone and they're like, man, things just aren't happening. Here's what I asked them. When you get home, in your daily life, how many times are you picking up the Word of God? Just this week, how many times did you pick up the Word of God? In, in your house, as, as the husband, as the father, this is what I said to this guy. How many times this week did your wife and your children hear you pray? See, you want Jesus to do what you don't want to join him in doing. Ooh, y'all better hear me. I'm preaching now. When it gets quiet, that's when you know it's good. We tell ourselves we're all right because we know the religious protocol. Listen, I love you, but I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to be as pastoral as I can be this morning. I really am. I love you, and I want you to love me. I, I, I want to tell you the truth. 
There's a deceiving spirit, and it looks religious. It talks religious. It acts religious. But it is a lying spirit. Peter said to Ananias and Sapphira, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? You're not lied to men, but you lied to God. See, we can fool some of the people some of the time and all the people some of the time. Hello, church. But you can't fool the Holy Spirit any of the time. God is raising up some people who love Jesus and want to be obsessed with him. And I'm telling you, they might not be the majority. But God's always used the remnant. Come on, church. The fire of their obsession is what I'm looking for. And their love and the fire of their devotion is what our church needs and what this community needs and what this world needs. I'm going to tell you right now. This now I lay me down to sleep prayer stuff. Come on. This two hymns a joke and a little scripture sermon. They ain't going to get the job done. You got to have that fire. You want me to tell you what we need? And, and I was sharing this with Blake uh, in Kalamazoo and the elders in Kalamazoo. And, and I, we, we, we need fire in our pulpit. What our congregation needs to be praying is, God, help the preachers who are preaching this week bring it. Help them stir us. Help them draw us to you, God. Because, see, if our pews are frozen... I'm looking for a new breed of fire-baptized believers. Y'all listening to me, right? People want to shake the gates of hell. You know why I'm not afraid of hell? Because I understand Jesus saved me once and for all. Come on. You see what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't disturb me in a bit because I know when Jesus comes back, if it's this afternoon, hello, somebody. If it's tomorrow, if it's next year, if it's 20 years, it doesn't matter for me. I already punched my card. I'm going. So hell, I want to shake the gets of hell. You know why? Because I got family who are about to bust it wide open. I got neighbors who are about to bust hell wide open. I got friends and acquaintances who are on their way to a devil's hell. I want to shake the gates of hell. And I want to rob hell for Jesus. Amen. I want to take ground for the Lord. I want to see people know Jesus like I know him. Like, like what we really believe Jesus meant when he said, follow me. Follow me. It's time to wake up. And, and as we pray as elders together, I mean, that's our prayer. And I, I can theme out every man's prayers. We just spend some time in prayer together as men. And, and we just wait on the Lord. And, and God is speaking and those type of things. It, there's a stirring, right? There's this, this idea and this request from all of us that, Lord, we're not satisfied with this casual, long-distance religious affiliation with who Jesus is. We want you to be close. We want you to be real. And we want you to be intimate, Lord. Wake us up. Cause us to be angry with an Instagram idea of following Jesus. Now you think, our PD, come on. That sounds extreme. That's why you don't follow the rock. Because he's like, oh man, that guy is extreme. Right? Like, 
I'm not going to eat 8,000 calories a day. Hello, somebody? <laughs> Y'all know what would happen to me if I ate 8,000 calories a day? <laughs> He's extreme. Here's what I admire about those people that I follow. Their commitment and to their passion to what they believe. I can say, you know what, I'm never going to look like the rock. But Lord, I want to be as passionate for you as he is about working out. Come on, somebody. I'm never, I'm never going to probably read in Greek and Hebrew, but I want to be as passionate as David was when he was learning to write Greek and Hebrew. God, can you stir in me passion, God? I see this person's commitment. I see their dream. I see what they're going through, and I want to apply that to my life spiritually. I want to apply that. It's extreme, PD. It's almost like you're saying it's either or. It's almost like you're saying there's no middle ground. It's almost like you're saying, PD, that if I, if I put my hand to the plow and look back, I'm not fit for the kingdom. It's almost like you're saying that I need to get in or get out. It's almost like you're saying that, you know what, lukewarmness isn't going to cut it. Church, I'm not the one who said all that stuff. Jesus is. He said, if you're not for me, you're against me. He said, if you're not gathering, you're scattering. He said, I would rather you be hot or cold instead of lukewarm. You know, because hot water serves a purpose. And cold water serves a purpose. Eddie's brother was here and shared that sermon. Uh, that was a powerful sermon from his perspective. About, and I never really heard it put that way. That God doesn't mind cold water. When you're hot and thirsty, nothing quenches your thirst like a cool glass of cold water. But nothing makes you want to... Come on, somebody, then, Luke. Hello, Chuck. The world is full of celebrity fans of all different kinds, but Jesus never called us to be a fan of just following him. Come on, church. He called us to, be, to have a magnificent obsession, to be obsessed with him, to burn with the Holy Spirit, and to have a holy love and passion for him and the things he loves. But see, I hate to say it, but in general, in a modern day world, we've become institutionalized and sterilized and we've become cold and cold and cold. And, and, and the formality of who we are has allowed the power of God to be eliminated. And therefore, when it comes to our Christian faith, we don't really believe in the power of God. Difficult to trust God for a headache. But there are people who have cancer. The, the Bible says it's, or, or the doctors have said it's terminal. But God has said, if I am for you, who or what can be against you? Come on, we got to press in. When we, when, some of you parents who maybe have prodigal children who have faded away and you wonder what's ever going to happen. Listen, God said that if you raise them in the way that they should go when they get old, sometimes they got to go on their journey and grow up a little bit you got to trust the Word of God. How's that going to work, Lord? Pray while you sit on the porch.
Here's what the Bible says in, in Matthew chapter 24, verse 12. Because of iniquity, uh, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. I want to say to you right now, I want you to believe me, the church that Jesus said he would build, he never intended for it to become institutionalized. The church was always meant to be a fiery, passionate, living organization that filled with the presence of God and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ that had incredible influence in its community. We are his body on earth. Come on, church. Filled with the same Holy Spirit. Let me say this to you. If the world doesn't see Jesus manifested in and through the church, will they ever see him? The world doesn't need another history lesson about Jesus. The world needs to see the church through the church being a vibrant demonstration and manifestation of a living Savior that can save them, can heal them, and deliver them, and set them free. That's what the world needs. We were riding my truck this week. And I was listening to the news on the radio, and Callie, Callie was like, uh, one of our granddaughters, she was like, Puppy, what are you listening to on the radio? And my wife says, well, Puppy likes to learn. He likes to listen. And so he, he, he follows some particular stations so that they can get the news and, and learn about what's going on in the day and those things. And, and, and Callie, you know, she, she had said, oh, I like to learn about stuff too. And, and, and so, you know, there, there, there's this idea of saying, all right, now we're following things to learn. But what are we going to do with what we've learned? See, there's a lost world just beyond those doors. And Firm Foundation Ministries is committed to being a church that isn't about just opening the doors and say, y'all come. Jesus said, go, go, because there's a world out there that needs to see Jesus and his glory, and they're only going to see it from people who love Jesus. They need to see this obsession. Do you know why? Here's a statement when you invite people to church. Oh, I don't want to go to church. It's full of hypocrites. Do you take that as a criticism? You shouldn't. Because, see, what they're saying is, I wish I knew somebody who was really obsessed with Jesus. I wish I knew somebody who was real. Sometimes on Saturdays, we'll go into the gym at 5 a.m. in the morning on Saturdays. And Saturdays is kind of a, for me anyway, it's not part of my planned workout sessions. But I go every Saturday. And and I walk around, and and sometimes people will pick on me, and they're like, Hey, PD, are you going to work out today or not? Like, especially Jeremy Smith, right? He's like, man, are you going to do anything today or what? I'm like, nope, this is Fellowship Saturday. I'm just going to walk around and watch you work. They want me to do legs on Saturdays. I'm like, negative. I need to walk on Sunday. Okay? You people are crazy. (laughs) I didn't know if I'd be able to flip my pages today in my Bible. My arms are so sore because Bo and I did 800 reps yesterday. 
on arms. And I thought, what are we doing? And then we, partway through it, we, we were like, oh, man, we can't stop at 800 reps. We just want to do 1,000 reps. You know what happened when Bo and I got to 800? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I'm not that obsessed. See, the world is looking for people who love Jesus. They're just asking. They're just asking to be real. If somebody was real, I might go. Now, see, I'm a little bit different because I love following Jesus, and I'm not based my following on whether somebody is or isn't. I'd rather go to church with hypocrites and go to hell with them. So that's just me. I'll go into church and sit down right next to one. You know why? Because there's a time in my life, and it continues to happen. The Lord convinces me, and God, the Holy Spirit will speak to you. Does God ever do this to you? Right? You're being a little hypocritical right now, aren't you? Dang it. Okay, Jesus. The world really needs to see reality. That's what they're asking for. This, uh, this obsession. I'm not embarrassed to tell you. I'm obsessed with Jesus. It's not unmanly to love the Lord. Let me tell you something, young ladies. All these little boys who come around... And they don't know how to pull their pants up or even comb their hair yet. And you swooning all over them? Let me tell you something. If he can't pull up his pants and comb his hair, he ain't brushing his teeth. Amen. I'm just saying. Yeah, you, you swooning all over him. His mama still got to get him out of bed. He... He can't get nothing done because he's too busy playing video games. You think he's got, you're going to marry him and he's going to get up and go get a job? Listen, if he don't love Jesus, you need to put him up the road. That should be your first prerequisite. And don't apologize. Come back and talk to me when you fall in love with Jesus. You don't love Jesus, you can't love me. That's what the Bible says. Right? And I'm going to say this to all you young guys too. I don't care how... She melted herself and poured her into the clothes she's wearing. <laughs> if she don't love Jesus, you need to put her up the road and you need to be hanging out with her. Yeah. I guarantee you this, young people, you find. You pray, you commit yourself to finding someone who is passionate about loving Jesus and your life will be a whole lot different. Amen. It'll change for the glory of God and you won't have all the problems that a lot of folk have when they compromise because man, look at her. She poured herself. I'm telling you, hello somebody. There's going to come a day when she ain't pouring herself in the clothes no more. All she's doing is wearing jogging pants and baggy hoodies. I'm just telling you, she better love Jesus. It's going to come a day, young ladies, when men, I mean, they got, like me, I don't even drink beer, and I got a beer belly. There's nothing you can do about it. You better make sure they love Jesus. I want you to be stirred to the goodness of the Lord. Jesus didn't call you to follow him to punish you. He said, I have come that you might have life and life more abundant. Follow me and you'll have it. 
follow me. And there's nothing we won't have struggle. But it's in those struggles where we understand that because I'm following him, I need his power. I need his glory. I need, amen, what he has. That's why I'm following him. And when I'm following him, when I encounter a devil, in the name of Jesus, get out. Come on, when I'm following him and I got to pray for the sick, I'm not afraid to lay hands on somebody because I'm just being obedient to the word of God. When I find someone who's addicted to drugs and is in prison, I can say in the name of Jesus, let those prison doors be broken. Let the captive be set free. Amen. When we encounter the works of the devil, they don't scare us because greater is he that lives in me than he that lives in the world. Watch what, watch, watch his 1 John 3, 8. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Did y'all know that's in your Bible? Acts chapter 10, verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy, Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed, all that were oppressed, all that were oppressed of the devil, for the God was with him. Acts 1, 8. But you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Luke 10, 19. Behold, I give unto you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. John 14, 12. Verily, verily, I say unto you he that believeth on me the works that I do he will do also and greater works than these shall he do because I go to my father what Jesus is saying follow me and watch the kingdom of God be manifest let me bless you this morning you go ahead and Instagram Jesus just do it you don't find no power You'll be stuck in dead religion. I let you had someone tell me, hey, PD, I've never really felt the need for the power of the Holy Ghost in my life. I'm just satisfied with basking in his presence. That might be fine for you. But what about that young woman or that young boy who's contemplating suicide? How's the power of your following Jesus going to convince them that life is worth living? I've told you this story before. I remember in, in Florida, the church that I pastored down there before we moved to Michigan, I was a young, young pastor, and I got a call at midnight, and there was a cemetery at our little church there. Some of you guys have been to that little church. I took some of the guys to show them. And someone from the church said, hey, Pastor Don, there's, uh, it's midnight. There's someone at the church and in the cemetery, and uh, the police are out there, and they're, uh, they're, they've got a gun, and they're threatening to kill themselves. I think you probably should go to the church. And my initial thing was, if the police can't deal with it, I don't. Hello, somebody. But I got dressed, and I went out there, and I was personal friends with uh, one of the police officers who was kind of leading the whole setup, and I talked to him for a little bit. We graduated police academy together. And uh, they were trying to talk this guy out of, out of this. And I mean, life was just struggle with this gun. And so I said, hey, can I, do you mind if I go talk to him? Now, this ain't supposed to happen. Hello, somebody. I'm like, well, we don't know. I don't know about all that. But anyway, by the sovereign hand of God, 
I was able to start a dialogue with this guy. And I got closer and closer and closer to him. And for 10 or 15 minutes, we just chatted about life. Not religion. He knew me. I didn't really know him that well, but he, he knew me. And I used that to say, look, man, I've got no other motive to be here other than I want you to know that Jesus loves you. And we started this dialogue, and I said, well, let's talk about this. Let, let me just talk about what's going on in your life. Let's talk about it. And we started this conversation, and eventually I said, why don't you just put the gun down, and, and let's talk for a little bit. Put the gun down, let's talk for a little bit. And eventually he, he threw the gun on the ground. And I said, let's go sit in my van and talk for a little while. And we sat down in, in my van, doors open, and the police were there. And about an hour later, I, I said to him, everything that God has done and everything, don't you want to give your heart and life to Jesus? And in a sovereign act of the Lord, in my van that night, a man who was just a couple of pounds of finger pressure on a trigger, was ready to end his life, gave his heart and life to Jesus. Right there. I don't know why God does this to me in the grocery store when I was in between two guys, one shot another guy. Right there, boom, on the ground, and this guy's bleeding out, and, and, and I was down on the ground holding this guy, and, and I looked at it, and he's just bleeding. And I said to him, do you know Jesus? And he says, I don't. And I said, brother, I, I thought he's going to die. I, I've got his blood on me. And, it's, and I said, you are about to meet Jesus. Wouldn't it be better to know him before you meet him? And right there, while this guy's bleeding out as the ambulance is on the way, he gave his heart and life to Jesus. It just... I'm like, Lord, can I lead someone to you without guns involved, please? <laughs> what about those people? What are you going to do in those moments? Without the power of the Holy Spirit, what are you going to do? What, where are we at when life takes a turn that we didn't expect? When it goes a direction that we didn't expect? When, when, when we get disappointed by life? When loss comes into us so hard and so heavy, we can't overcome it. I'm telling you right now, your Instagram relationship with Jesus ain't going to cut it. Amen. You need to be following him, heart, soul, and mind. Amen. You need to be following him. Why? So that the chains of drug addiction and alcohol addiction can be broken. So that the chains of lust can be broken. So that all the things that you've messed up, amen, God can put back together. What I'm saying is this, church. His presence may be enough for you, but it's it's not enough to deliver and set free. It's not enough to open the blinded eyes and cause the deaf to hear again. It's not enough to resurrect the dead. This is what I'm saying. God is alive and well, and he's looking for people who want to do more than just follow him like Instagram. I want to be obsessed with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I will never, as long as God lets me stand in the pulpit, I will never stop calling you to be obsessed with Jesus. Be obsessed with him. Because I'm going to tell you, you can come and sit in my office and tell me about troubles that I don't have any answer for. And that's the most desperate feeling. Because I'm a fixer. Man, in those moments, you know what I say? 
We just got to pray. Let's just pray. We just sit in my office and pray. In those moments, I want to challenge what's our relationship like with Jesus. I'm saying this to you, church. His presence is for you. His powers for your brokenness. His powers for your woundedness. His powers for your sickness. His powers for your hurting. His powers for your restoring. His power, amen, is, is for you and, and, and for your, your, your ability to overcome. The, it's never going to happen in a casual following of Jesus. Do you know that God wants to bless you? Come on. How many times in the scripture do you read the Bible when it says the goodness of the hand of the Lord was upon us? How many times did Nehemiah said the good hand of our God was upon us? How many times do you see it over and over and over where there's testimony, David in his own life talking about the goodness of the Lord? I'm obsessed with Jesus, not simply because I'm the pastor and I'm supposed to be. Hey, Pastor Don, that's what you're paid to do. Be obsessed with Jesus. But let me tell you something. If you've got to pay a man to be obsessed with Jesus, someone can pay him not to be. God not only wants to bless you, but he wants to anoint you. Come on. Stand with me in this place. Come on. Stand with me in this place. Tim and Lynette invite us always to go on the youth retreat, and that's a lot of fun. And yeah, they ask us to share and stuff like that. But I'm telling you what, if all I ever did was sit in the corner and watch these young people get on fire for Jesus, I'd go. Matter of fact, there's been a lot of times when I've just said, can I just do that, please? Can I just go and sit? They stir me to more of Jesus. And I'm like, God, light them on fire. Light them on fire. Can I challenge you in this? I don't want to make light of our struggles. But I do want to say that there are times if we're not, if we're we're honest, there are times when the struggle that we can't overcome, the answer simply is we're not obsessed with Jesus. You know, you know what I do when I get discouraged? Ask my wife. I get in the Word of God and I write sermons. Doug said to me one day, I, I was like, man, I, I, got, I wrote five sermons today. And, God, and Doug said to me, who ticked you off? <laughs> It's my retreat. It's where I run. And Pastor Rick gave me the love for the word of God. And he said, you can't casually follow Jesus. You can't casually follow him. And I, I want to be honest. Your eldership team, all of us, we want to be here for you. We want to lead you and guide you into a deeper, closer relationship with Jesus. But our intent is never, ever to take the place of your personal relationship and your following of Jesus. Some of y'all are looking to elders and people. You should be looking to Jesus. 
When I'm going to be honest with you, I follow the rock. I don't want to be the rock. I want to be who God created me to be. Amen? I'm not jealous of him. His money might help a little bit, but (laughs) at the same time, I have to live in a different kind of faith than he does, don't I? Come on. And I wouldn't trade that for anything. I want to pray for you as we challenge you. And I want to encourage you to love one another in a way that encourages each other to follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. Is it okay if we pray? Hey, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for being real. You're so good to us, Jesus. I say forgive us, Lord, for a casual approach to who you are. I say thank you, Lord, that no matter what, you continue to call us to yourself. The Bible says that deep calls to deep. In other words, you're calling us into more and more and more of you, Jesus. And Lord, we can sing a song that says, I want more. God, I pray we live a life that declares it. Lord, thank you that we'll never exhaust you. There's not an end to you, Jesus, and so you're never afraid to give us more of yourself. A man or a woman never has to declare what they believe. Their lifestyle lives, declares it. So, Father, cause us to be a people that when the lost world sees us, they know instantly there's a follower of Jesus. Help us to move beyond the idea of the Christian norms and press into the realities of who you are, Lord. Let this church be a church, God, that declares your glory through our relationship with you, not through religious teachings. Thank you for those teachings that ground us, God. But nothing is as sweet as your presence. Cause us to be a people, God, who are so obsessed with you that we want to put our foot in the same footprint as yours. That we want to love the people you love. I pray this for us, God, as you stir us closer and closer to you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. Turn around and tell someone you love them in Jesus' name. Bless you. Thanks for coming today. Speaking of obsession, I had an interesting thought this week.